On Live and Learn, we weekly discuss how we learn and teach, which challenges we encounter, how we fail or succeed. We never know where a new conversation will bring us, so we just follow our curiosity and learn how to be in the flow of living and learning. Today, our curiosity brought us to discuss the skills for the 21st century. We're talking about going digital, paperless and green, and in particular about whether or not and how to bring technology to the classroom. We discuss innovators, early adopters and laggers when it comes to the 21st century skills. What do I need to learn to be able to say that I learned everything? You can't do worse than you can do. A technology cannot transform your teaching as much as your teaching can be transformative with a good technology. What do I need to learn to be able to say that I learned everything? <laughs> Or what do I need to do before I uh, watch a movie in English? Or what do I need to learn before, I don't know, reading the book or in English or something like this, like dive into the culture. What should be the level of English to start learning business English? I normally say that there is A1 level of business. B6, B12, and all the other vitamins. <laughs> which are vital for surviving yeah, here in this world mm -hmm. full of uh, skills uh, mastery development etc yesterday had a, a test in german again like a model test and okay i did b2 perfectly and two mistakes that i did were a2 level like okay and then you're like oh so which level am i Coming back to this question that uh, people ask you, which level should I be before doing something? Like, which level should I be to sit for a B2 test? I should first have finished A2. I've never done that. I usually skip those A2 levels in all the languages. And then I find myself in a higher level. And lots of things are missing from the previous levels. They are to catch up, of course, but then you can't say you cannot be doing something more advanced before you've uh, polished everything in the previous levels, or can you? I don't know. In my understanding, uh, when people come to me and ask, I want to get prepared for IOTS test, for SAT test, for any other test, and I need to do this within a month, within two months, what should I do? And The question is, then we are starting doing the test skills. 
not the English skills. We are not learning English any, lo any longer. We're getting prepared to the test and we're trying to hack how within this period before, uh, like against the deadline, can we maximize the results with what we have? You know, this agile logic. But when people are coming and say, I want B2 level, then we're not talking about the exam. We're talking about how to go to that level step by step, topic by topic, skill by skill, practice by practice, and so on. And the question is always about being prepared mentally, almost as a skill, you know, to be prepared, not to scare. Just like the episode we had uh, last week, having a gross mindset instead of a fixed mindset, and like, I'm missing one little block here, so I'm not moving further. That's a question. So, yeah, when we're talking about future and being prepared for the future, in the future, at a moment in, in the future, the question is, I will decide then. I will definitely decide the best possible for a best possible option within those circumstances, under that context, within those people who support me and so on, then I will be able to decide. But till then, I will be doing what is best in my capacity, in my, you know, growing there. Yeah, like on the way there, uh, again, it's uh, something that we've uh, previously discussed. On the way there, now here in this point, I find myself having these uh, skills and not having or lacking some others. So I'm developing, I'm working on the development of those skills which are missing or which are not uh, developed to the um, point I need. Meanwhile, I'm growing. Meanwhile, I'm going in the direction that I've set to myself. And I'm doing everything possible right now. So if you believe, I think this is something like a core fundamental psychological self-care to always do what is possible at this moment and believe yourself that you are every day making correct decisions. You are able to make the correct decisions and they are bringing you to the exact point, correct point where you're supposed to be according to your readiness, your experience, your zones, and so on, and so on, and so on. And yeah. if you believe that you are where you are right now uh, for your own will, from your own choices, it gives you the power to decide, the power to enjoy. And I think this is the same transmitting, but in the point of future. If I believe that I'm doing all the correct choices and decisions right now, why am I scared that in the future I won't be able to make my own choices and decisions? So am I losing the trust only because the point goes to the future? Or let's, pu let's put it back to the past. Like if I know that in every moment in the past I did all my decisions, choices with sane brains, you know, with the common sense, with from the point of what can be best, then I can trust myself now and then I can trust myself in the future. That's the point of psychotherapy. Yeah, actually, because uh, before you feel that you can be yourself, 
with all your resource. And uh, if you accept yourself with all your previous experience and you have these um, points in the track of your life where you could do something well, where you succeeded, where you got support in case you needed it, where you thought you failed, but then something or someone helped you. Having accumulated all of this uh, experience in the present moment now, you take this experience with you and you continue the journey along your life towards your aims now being sure that uh, you've got all this your personal experience that has been supporting you all over your life then of course there are some negative moments there are feelings of failure etc etc but finding the resource is uh, one of the important um, things you can take with you and uh, something that helps you on the way towards your aims moving forward moving forward uh, being uh, good enough in each point of your way of your journey just yeah. always keeping and having all your resource with you uh, there are two great lessons i uh, had from uh, my teachers and uh, people i worked uh, together with one is uh, Georgi Shostakovich, who uh, was my teacher at uh, university and a very important uh, person in my life, who taught me lots of things. And uh, one of the important lessons uh, I learned was uh, when I once was uh, really worried before uh, holding a lecture, and I shared these worries with him, the thing he said was as simple as you can't do worse than you can do. It is a perfect quote that accompanies me and has been accompanying me since then through all the worrying or possibly worrying experiences in my life. You cannot do worse than you can do. Meaning that, as I put it when I explained this to someone who gets caught by something like what is it what does it uh, mean more widely so i usually explain it as you've got your resource you've got your history you've got your experience you are here you are at this level and so the least you can do the worst you can do is at the lowest point of your present skills of your present mastery or whatever. So in the worst of cases, you will perform at the lowest level of your possibilities. And that's not bad. That's what you can do now. One more lesson was a more recent one by Lenny Rabich. And uh, this is a teacher, teacher educator, psychotherapist, uh, humor specialist who when he teaches groups uh, during workshops, uh, he uh, asks, try to assess, close your eyes, think, concentrate, and uh, assess how good you feel from one to 10. Take your time. Now open your eyes. So what's your 
point. Someone says four, someone says eight, someone says nine. And then he comments and says, guys, you needed so much time. I usually don't need any time to answer this question. My answer is always 10 because like I cannot feel any worse than I feel now. Now is my best moment. There is no other moment. Even if I get to hospital feeling really bad and someone asks me, how are you from one to tell? I will say 10 because now I feel at the highest of my possible feeling of my possible well-being. So these are two very important lessons for me. You can perform at least at the lowest point of your possible performance now with all your experience and you feel the best at the top of your performance at any given moment because there is no other moment. This is just such a simple mental catch. If you go to philosophy, if you go to ethics, to moral grounds and you know things, there is always this mental catch of trying to compare yourself with yesterday, two days ago, five days ago, and trying to say all, all the possible meditations which start with what if. And this is something interesting that I'm trying to, again, when somebody says and comes and says, okay, we're doing the business communication skills, but uh, in the um, negotiations, I really need the conditionals. Can we please revise and brush up the conditionals? Why? Uh, well, because there are four different conditionals and I don't remember which and this which would, uh, will, what can I do, what I can... There is a very simple rule, but no, there are like two pages of the rule and the whole chapter, forget about it. What do you mean? There's only one rule. Which one? If you are putting if, then it's not real. What do you mean? If you put will, if, you cannot say will because it's not real any longer. What? Why? What do you mean? And then we go to the very same <laughs> philosophy of life that English was made so smart about the psychotherapy things that if you put if, there is no future from this sentence at all because it's just not real. And the very notion of the future is that it is real you're sure that it's going to happen then revelation but what about those two pages of the rules zero conditional first second third mixed okay if you put if that's one level behind from reality what do you mean if this is past that would be past perfect if this is present that would be past if this is future that would that's just one level back from reality uh oh Ask me your favorite question. What did you learn recently? And my question to you is, what have you learned this week? Well, this week I learned that 
the funny video that came again viral. So we are talking, starting every episode with the new viral thing. Last time we were doing window swapping. This time we are doing uh, the uh, video, which is a remake to the um, music from 90s. You know, to to do doom to doom can touch this, and that was a hit in 90s. Like when I was what the second year in the score search something like this tune do 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 to do can touch this and everybody was just you know oh, laughing yeah, yeah i know this song and now they made a video from the director of the school the principal of the school who comes uh wearing a mask wearing the gloves corona with the sanitizer and people are you know doing the printer printing the lessons you can touch this you can touch that you can touch that you can touch this and then the uh, funny things like sanitize. <laughs> it was so, uh, it was such a such crazy song because it's like made with a good joke, with a good humor, nicely put, you know, the dances like this. That I reposted to to my Facebook page. And then I write, those are the the twenty first century skills for teachers that we deserved. Oh, <laughs> not the, not the only, uh, but not the ones that we were expecting from the 21st century skills we're getting prepared to. So coming back to what we were discussing in the beginning, how we get prepared to something in the future. And when we say like the 21st century skills, hey guys, come on, it's 21st century already. It's like a fifth of all the 21st century skill, uh, century is already here and it's not to get prepared to the future, sorry, it's how we perform today. What is what are our skills today, and how are we good at putting this today in the class already? So I think there is this the change of the scope when we're talking about 21st centuries still yet to come. So what are the skills that uh, we need to be aware of when we are talking about? in teaching let's uh, put it here yeah uh, what are these uh, skills of the 21st century that we shouldn't be getting ready for but that we should be aware of now that the 21st century is already here yeah you know uh, right now there is a an interesting book that um, came live uh, which is called 21st century skills for teaching i guess or learning something like that and um, I think we already mentioned one webinar that uh, was called the future of education that I was really astonished by and but the question is uh, what do we put as a skill that a teacher must have or needs to have or needs to learn to be contemporary to be updated to be uh, not lagging yeah can I say so is it not too harsh anyway it can even be harsh uh, seeing that teachers tend to be harsh to their students saying you need to catch up you teacher also need to catch up and the administration as well I'm sorry to say that but when you're choosing where to to teach, it's important also to see how the university is catching up with this and what kind of the level 
is their performance right now? Like university management or high school management, higher education management, yeah. all these levels. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and here, I think it's really important to come back to this, you know, bell curve of what we adopt. You know, the adaptation theory that uh, only 2-3% of people are innovators, whatever comes. New technology, new thinking, new paradigm innovative teaching like only two to three percent of people are the real innovators and then we're talking about uh, 13 14 percent of early adopters people who start adopting the technology or like anything and then there is like 35 percent around early majority another 35 like late majority and like 16% of laggards, those who are lagging. And um, it's really interesting to see that when we're talking about what do we need to bring on to the class, what do we have to bring to the class from this innovation point, 21st century skills, as saying like, are we innovating something or are we adopting or are we the majority, early or late majority, but, the, you know, those 70%, when it becomes to the 70%, it becomes a norm. And whatever we will be talking about today in our podcast about the I don't know, 21st century skills, I want us to think, like, where we actually are. Is this that much of innovation? Or are you adopting your everyday situation to this innovation? Or are you becoming a part of the majority who is doing this and you're bringing more and more of this uh, new idea or concept, like scaling it up? Or the laggards? And the question again, when we're talking about laggards, it's not necessarily that it is people who are not doing the, or not bringing something or not delivering something. Maybe that's just not the resource that is necessary or maybe uh, that's not that good to adopt or maybe it's just you know the the level of again the whole environment the community the organization the economy again that is not possible to bring it on i can name uh, some of the trendsetters who are really efficient in doing what they do, as well as I can name some laggers, let's call them like that, who are pretty efficient in what they're doing. One uh, person who comes to my mind, I'm very much connected today to my teachers uh, at different times and uh, different universities. And so one of the teachers you might call a lagger is um, uh, one of the uh, teachers at uh, my Italian university who retired this year and who till her last year of teaching kept on saying, guys, I don't adopt new technologies. And uh, I just explain grammar and vocabulary using a marker and a paper whiteboard. 
The name is Anna Maria De Stefano, who is a brilliant teacher of advanced levels, a brilliant teacher who does not need or did not need to adopt technologies, I believe, in her time of teaching because she was much more efficient without adopting technologies than many colleagues are and continue to be using technologies. So there is always the point of um, seeing how much I can bring, how much I can do, being able to do what I do in the way I do it. I remember this quote, uh, a technology cannot transform your teaching as much as your teaching can be transformative with a good technology. That makes pretty much sense to me because uh, lots of fables use this as a metaphor, a monkey with uh, glasses, for example. Yeah, okay, if uh, a monkey cannot use glasses, it's a powerful tool, but if you cannot use it, just like the whiteboards are hanging on the walls, not unpacked, already on the walls, but unpacked With for a couple of years. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I remember such a whiteboard that was uh, hung like on the level where I could not possibly jump. If you know that the average height of the teachers in your department is 160 centimeters, you cannot just put the whiteboard at two meters and a half think about who is going to use them i think that innovation and being innovative is something that is a you know this cutting edge of technology and um, super curious about it but i think that i'm much more at at the uh, philosophy of the early adopters because to innovate, you need to create something. You need to come up with something. You need to show uh, that something radically new can be done. However, these early adopters of any skill, they show how this can be adopted here, 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 and here, and, and trying to use it, trying to incorporate more and more people into doing this. Therefore, in my understanding, like quite a majority of people who think of themselves as innovators are in the sense are actually those early adopters because they are trying to innovate their own field with something that was already created and therefore yeah we can we can talk we can name a couple of the ideas for the uh, 21st century teachers but the first that comes to your mind is like going digital, learning new technologies, adopting these technologies, because there are so many, go adopt it. The example that you have shown already brings us back to what exactly do we want to adopt it? Why? Why these, um, what kind of use, what kind of increment, you know, this adding up, added value can you actually have? on your everyday life and yeah exactly so if you invest time and energy into learning uh, how new equipment works how a new technology works uh, and then it only adds uh, two percent 
to your efficiency as a teacher in the classroom? Why do you even get to it? Then if you are more efficient, if you can get more efficient with the help of this technology, then go invest into this. And uh, mm -hmm. I see only positive uh, aspects here, but then at the same time, see how much you can bring later to the classroom. Mm -hmm. And if you come to the classroom and say, guys, you should be, you have to be uh, thankful for what I'm doing because I've spent all night preparing this crossword puzzle for you. Mm -hmm. Like, why have you? You shouldn't have. Like, why? If it doesn't add uh, so, much of, so much value to your teaching process. Yeah, do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. In my understanding, the very idea to bring technology to the class is to make it work more efficiently and together and that's why in, in, in my understanding the virtual collaboration tools can, can make uh, a huge Im impact on the um, classes and environments and learning environments such as like Miro, Mural, Sticky Notes, Sticky Notes not the ones that the managers are using but the really the, the really virtual ones that, um, for example, the main idea there is that all the people that you got in um, virtual environment, for example, on a webinar, 30 people, 60 people, doesn't matter, they are all brought to this virtual collaboration environment and uh, they are given the tasks to create, evaluate, uh, come up, organize, categorize, and so on. So you're actually doing the analytical and mental operations, but with the people who you would otherwise have never even met, not let alone collaborate and create something together. And this is the very idea that collaboration uh, using those digital resources, presentations, projects, they all should bring some kind of the result, not the process. Oh, we were doing something together. But what was the result? What did you actually do? What did you learn? What is the outcome of this? Do you have a skill upgraded? Do you have a result? Do you have a feeling that you uh, get to know other people better? You got to know your time management, your... I don't know, empathy, appreciation, whatever. So try to understand what did you learn. So behind those uh, technologies, I'm trying to sum up this point, is more of what's the reason, what's the increment, what's the outcome, what's the takeaway that you're bringing from what you learned through this environment, through this technology. It makes me uh, think of uh, an analogy. You never think, at least what I notice, is we never think of uh, how much uh, printing is helping us every time we read books. Mm -hmm. We never think of printing as, uh, well, 
no longer do we think about printing as uh, an advance in technology. We just use the uh, result, the fruit that uh, it has brought. We are somewhere in the background grateful, but when you read a book, you hardly ever thank uh, Mr. Gutenberg or whoever it was to have created the uh, printing press. You rather say, I've read the book, here is what I learned. But when we uh, attend a webinar, very often do we thank the technologies for granting us with this possibility. And uh, more rarely do we really say, oh, I've learned this, I've got this result, this has brought this fruit to me. Mm -hmm. And actually, when you're talking about uh, thinking to the press and something being printed, one more point that can be raised from here is going to the technology, going digital, to become more and more paperless and trying to organize all those printed pages that you still actually get when you're going, for example, to the language courses. I can tell you that from my German classes, I have like this thick, maybe eight centimeters thick pile of papers, which somehow are supposed to be organized into level by level. But the funny thing that, yes, I do keep them, but what I learned from them was much more appropriate. What I get as the level, what I get as the skill, as the collaboration communication in German would be something that should be measured rather than like, how many books did you have? How many books did you write your answers in? Or how many papers were printed? Um, going paper last actually going green into our classes, of course, more of a uh, ecological movement here, because like there is no reason why you cannot get the same outcome from, from the digital copy. Do you agree here? Absolutely. And this is something that, as you know, I have been using for many years now. And uh, this is something I really value as uh, an add-on, let's say, to uh, online lessons as I send uh, electronic files of course to my students we collaborate uh, digitally there is no paper and I always recommend my students if they can use an electronic copy of, um, of materials that we are using they'd better do that uh, than print it out some still print some of the materials because they're used to writing. They feel pen and paper better as tools for learning. And still what I am noticing now, more and more people prefer to type something into a PDF file, for example, collaborate digitally um, with uh, Google Docs, etc., which uh, feels uh, more and more natural to people nowadays. Yeah, another question, if you're doing a longer course, not just like one-time seminar or one-time class or one-time topic, is how to handle all this. Because then it becomes a number of, uh, you know, the pages, the shared links, the shared documents that some students cannot organize themselves and say, I, I forgot, where did you actually send it to me? 
and so on, we have the very same situation as it used to be with the paper. How do you organize yourself and your materials uh, is still the same 21st century skill and uh, that is not gone anywhere just because the, the uh, material has changed. Again, if this is a group of students, if this is several groups of students in one university, if this is several groups of students in different universities, so that just scales up and gives us like a bigger challenge how to organize everything so that you are not lost and students are not lost. And that you're not overloaded. Mm-hmm. But the um, amount of different materials, yeah, and don't, yeah, don't sink actually under the wave of uh, the materials uh, available. Uh, then here, I prefer to be organized myself, and then I don't feel bad if my students say, "Oh, I don't remember where that link was. I just copy it again and send it uh, out," because I've got uh, my links organized. I've got folders for each student. That's my part of being ready for the lesson, for the course, for all the uh, movement forward. And then I'm okay with sending a link again. Then uh, if students themselves are organized and uh, know how to distribute materials, uh, how to work with them, how to get easy access to what they're learning, then it's even better and goes uh, more smoothly. If not, well, it's my part of preparation to be organized myself. Uh, Then uh, I also, I am also noticing that um, having bigger access to different materials, the teachers themselves get lost. And that's, I think, what you are talking about uh, concerning 21st century skills in terms of uh, self-organization and mm-hmm. not getting lost yeah, in that pile of materials. There are lots of um, groups, uh, teacher organizations that uh, ask for recommendations, uh, give recommendations, and uh, they end up being an endless feed or whatever, asking and answering the same questions all over again, instead of having just uh, uh, sort of it out. Or, yeah, like that's true. Uh, guys, what are you using for working with these age kids? Guys, what are you using to teach this or that uh, subject? Here is the link. Here is the link. link. I have answered that here. And even better, uh, Facebook group, uh, whatever other group, uh, uh, blog is categorized and has already got answers to all these questions because there's uh, a never-ending course of them. Why? Because there is another important skill of uh, this century. Again, I completely agree with not calling that the 21st century skills to come. No, it's the requirement of the times we are living in. Now you're dealing with uh, so many different materials, so much resource that you can get actually lost in the abundance of uh, all the materials. So you need to learn. We all need to learn how to organize ourselves, our materials, and how to be 
I'm not afraid to say minimalistic in uh, terms of using materials. about what we discuss next join us at facebook.com forward slash live and learn podcast <laughs>